And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. Uh, it's been a big weekend for you, Damon. How are you feeling? We are recovering. That's what we're doing. Uh, it is. It's, it was great. It, what, a, what a great week um, and a great two days meeting everyone and a great pro wrestling show, the, the G1, and a great job by New Japan fans and a great job by the, the promotion. I thought, I thought it was a win. All the way around, I had a great time. I'm I'm recovering, uh, <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely recovering. Um, as always with uh, travel, it does it does beat me up a little bit. But it was great. Um, I feel good, and I'm excited. I was excited to get the show. I felt terrible not being able to go yesterday, but uh, it just wasn't going to happen. So um, today we are we are ready to go. We got a voice back and. Let's 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 talk opening G one and let's talk New Japan Pro Wrestling as we like to do here on the Super J Cast. Let's open up with my favorite new segment of the show, and we have a brilliant new musical stinger provided us by the genius that is Andrew T. Rich. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich and listen to his excellent podcast, Music of the Map. And now it's time. Now it's time. Now it's time. It is a highly sexually charged photo. When we talk about fuck energy in our Discord, maybe even a little S&M symbolism. For some sexy fan, sexy fan The Dom, if you will. It does stir an emotion, but it's weird as fuck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's extremely sensual. Yes. David. Yes. So this is the sexy fan art. And I'm going to send you today's piece of sexy fan art. And if you want to follow this user, well, they, they locked their account on Twitter because we were discussing their art last time. And I think, I, I don't know if they got a bit shy from the attention or I don't know what happened, but you can follow them on Instagram, uh, userfriendly555. So, Damon, if you open up your WhatsApp and talk to us about what you can see in today's piece of sexy fan art. All right. Let's see here. This is just gets exciting. Now, all right. Now, this is right up my this is right up my speed here. We have um, we have the Lady Rainmaker is what we have. This is really good, actually. Um, so it's it's a, a young lady uh, dressed in very. Uh, it's almost like a cross between Asuka, the Asuka look, and uh, the Okada look. So uh, it's, it's like a little uh, bikini with the. What do they call the little legging strap things that hook to a garter belt, I guess? Um, but it's in, like, the Okada colors, and she's doing a, a Rainmaker pose. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, the artwork 
maybe back in the day where you could uh, you could stylize a uh, a Barbie, but it was like a it was like an illustration where you could put different outfits on her. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, Joel? Yeah, I've seen you can get that on your fridge these days. Magnetic, you put the clothes on them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, right? Um, and then I don't know what she's is, doing. Is this on. not just like a, a a card that's a woman? Like a, yeah. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> a lady, of, I, right? Yeah, and and, it, and you know, it's like uh, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And then, uh, but then there's like this little silhouette, and it's in. She's thinking of ice cream. Is that what she's thinking of? Is that what? The, yeah, it's an ice cream cone. Yeah. So, so, so there you go. Uh, I like this one. I like this one a lot, actually. Um, Lady Lady Rainmaker it says at the top. So, I like it. This one. This one is sharp. I like the. I like the art. See, I like this kind of dark outline art and the shading. I like the shading on the blush. This looks good. Yes, Can't. the rosy red cheeks. Yeah. Yeah, the cans look great too. <laughs> um, everything's doing good. Uh, it's nice. kind of making me want to see the real Okada wearing suspenders. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm good with this picture. This, just, this is a good picture. That, this is this is a big this is this is a big step forward for us because uh, I like this one. This one's this one's this one's a nice one. Well done. Who's the artist? User friendly five five five. All right, five five five's got it going on. Nice job, five five five. Go check that out, people. Hopefully, I don't like them locking it down though. That wasn't. I didn't like that news. Um, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. You know, cause them any grief. But the way I see this is that you're putting your your art on on the interwebs, right? You want people to see it. You want people to right? Is that what we're doing? Or, or yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I maybe it's something lost in translation, but we are big big fans of yes. Your work, if you're listening. Yes, absolutely. So go check that out, peeps. Uh, uh, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Good job. And if you see any sexy fan art that you would like to share with us and send it our way, we have a special channel devoted to it on our Discord. We do. All right, let's move into this week's news then. So first bit of news I've got here is information for the Super J Cup. The confirmed talent based on the, a card that someone found includes uh what well, Liger's on the front obviously because he's in charge of the whole thing we've got Will Ospreay, El Fantasmo, Show, Yo, Dragon Lee and Caristico. Hmm. I'll tell you what. I'm um is there anybody in in the history of pro wrestling that has competed in a New Japan Cup, a Best of the Super Juniors, a G1 and now a Super say, J no, Cup? I can answer that already. Yeah, uh, Osprey was the first person to do New Japan Cup, Best of the Super Juniors, and the G1. Right. So I would be v- quite surprised if anyone from this point onwards in the future enters all four of those competitions in one year. That's quite an achievement for young Will. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the the Cup has been, you know, it's, it's they have it every year, mind you, but it is that is an amazing thing if if, if you sit and think about that. And that and and that name surprised me a lot. I didn't expect to see his name of all people. Him, he's got to just want to be in everything. <laughs> you know, at this point, he must be exhausted. <laughs> he must be absolutely destroyed. Like I can't understand how you could physically. I mean, I know we're only one night into the G one, but just by the end of it, come August, he must be destroyed. Right. 
Uh, do you really think that he's he's the guy that's going to take a night off? And I put that in the air quotes. Right? He's the, he's not that. He's not cut from that cloth. He's not no, going to. Take... He would literally rather. I think he would rather die, like just right. land on his head, than phone it in. Did you see any of his presser uh, from from the G one? Where he, he I makes... didn't. I, I mean, I will get onto the press yeah, yeah. because I know you you upset him, didn't you? But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep our I powder did. dry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. I'm a professional broadcaster. I I asked the hard hitting questions. Yeah, professional broadcaster asking the tough questions, Damon. If, yes. You know, if you upset people along the way, so be it. You, if you want omelet, you got to crack a few eggs. Ah, uh, look, you want you you people want want the want the scoop. You get people want to know what's going on. I, I'm there for you. That's why. That's why I'm there. But um, also, uh, you know, he. I mean, he. It, he. He. That's his happy place. You know, in the ring. So you know, I'm sure the more that he is in the ring, the 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 better off he feels about himself, right? And he pretty much admitted the ring that. and Nando's. His yeah, two happy places. That, that is true. That, well, I mean, listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would say that. Um, you. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do what makes you happy. The problem is, is that what makes him happy f- on the physical side of things is that 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 is a that is a full, as you like to say, schedule. So it's fucked up. Um, the physical demand. schedule is that what you say? How do you schedule. say ske- say schedule? The word schedule. <laughs> schedule. You say schedule. Sche- sche- schedule. Yeah. Like, like, where's the sket? Where's the k part? You don't, you don't put the k part in, in schedule. I'm gonna have to look this up now because I, I, yeah, I know this is like a, a regional thing. Yeah. You keep talking I, while I search for yeah, pronunciation. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> schedule, <works>. yes, <laughs> of of things that you have to do during the day. Um, but again, he's, he, you know, he's, everybody's worried about him physically and keeping up that this pace. But uh, again, if mentally that's where he finds comfort and solace, then I, you know, I say go for it because because sometimes one, is, you need a balance in life. Listen to me, be the the fucking life coach here. Uh, you need that balance, um, so you don't want to do physical harm while you're trying to satisfy those those monsters in your head. But at the same time, you know, you got to fight monsters in your head. And there's lots of people that have to do that every fucking day. So I get it. I get that. Um, but that's a, that, But on a wrestling level, that is a, that is a really admirable schedule, uh, but a real tough schedule if you, if you look at it. So I've looked it up. And Google has this cool feature where if you search for pronunciation, this little thing comes up. So we've got two choices here. We've got American pronunciation, which is... Schedule. And then I can change it and put British pronunciation. Schedule. Right. There you go. See See how the the American is like the K, the hard K, schedule, or the hard C, the K in there. Yeah. All right. We learned a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, yeah, yeah. you guys waited All right, an extra day for this. Yeah, yeah. All right, last little news tidbit uh, I've got for you is uh, New Japan Young Lion Hirai Kawato is now the 16th CMLL Super Lightweight Champion. He's the third Japanese champion joining Masato Yakushi and Kamatachi. So very well done to Kawato. 
surely only a matter of time before we see him again, Damon. Uh, It is. Didn't we hear speculation, being that it didn't happen, we can probably talk about it. We did hear a lot of scuttlebutt that he was going to be at G1, right? Yeah, I heard that as well. I don't know if this, uh, the fact that he won the title, maybe if that was like a, something they hadn't foreseen or like a last minute thing that meant he couldn't go or or something happened. I don't know. But yeah, I had heard rumors that he was going to be around. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, little disappointing that I didn't see him because I, in my head, I was like, Hey, he's going to be here. He's going to be here. He's going to be here. And it didn't happen. So um, I, I wonder what, what the, what the situation was that yeah, maybe it was the title. I, I thought the title would be even more reason why he would be there, but um Ah, all right. I guess that might be on pause. So I don't know. I just think that we'll see him sooner than later, right? I think we'll see him sooner than later. Um, but yeah, that was that was that from 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 Dallas, and good good on him, right? That that means something to all those naysayers that were. Uh, you heard a lot about how disappointing he was, and I, and I I think that really came from one report. It really didn't feel like it came from multiple people saying the same thing. It felt like one person said it, and it's been regurgitated 715 times. Um, because I really... Cause when you yeah, press who, who the hell's watching CMLL, am I right? <laughs> I mean, people do. People do, and they, and, and they should. Uh, but... Yeah, that was a joke. <laughs> yes, please. We don't want the... We don't, we don't need the... Uh, the... Uh, I, what the... The... Um, I can't even name a the, fucking the hardcore lucha gatekeepers. <laughs> right, right. I was going to say something between us. Yeah. Um, so yes, that was a, that was just a little little a little elbow in the ribs, people. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was just like it felt like it was one person, and then everybody kind of just jumped on that bandwagon. So good on him, uh, title winner, and not many uh, New Japan wrestlers have won that title in the past. That means uh, he's in rare air. So, um, again, good things from Quad. All right, let's move on to the meat of today's podcast. Let's talk about Dallas. So I'm going to open with two questions from our listeners. Christian Ian Lane Fowler says, how's the knee? And Chris says, has reporter Damon been behaving himself? So, Damon, talk us through your Dallas adventures, please. Holy fucking shit. Well, I feel like I could dedicate an entire show just to that, right? Because I had a great time. Like... For those two days, uh, it was worth a lot of um, pain and suffering <laughs> afterward. But uh, it it uh, it was great. So first questions first. Knee is fine. I did tweet out a picture. I had access to the Twitter machine. I couldn't believe it. Um, so we went to – first of all, let me just say that there is a cat down in Dallas, and his name is Brian. And Brian – was a fucking legend on this trip. He he kind of was like the tour guide. He was like you know leading us around to different places that ruled. Right. So the first stop we go to, we had uh, this little hole in the wall, uh, tacos and uh, and margaritas, and the margaritas were fucking unbelievably great, and the tacos were unbelievably great. And this is coming from somebody who didn't eat the entire day. I got off the airplane into the rental car. Zipped over to the presser, and and that and that was it. Like I didn't eat anything. I was starving, thirsty, had to pee, all that. Took us there. Great stuff. Then we went to this this arcade. You Joel, this would have been a fucking heaven for you. They had like twenty 
taps. They were all ciders, all different types of ciders. I had like a a, a habanero fucking a mango oh, one. Man, that sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. And then, so it was a cider, but in this place, it was like a giant warehouse, right? So they had the the the, the taps and all, right? But and it was all renovated inside, and they had multiple rooms filled with pinball machines and retro cabinet arcade games from back in the day. Everything you could possibly fucking think of. NBA jams, uh, asteroids. I'm just trying to think. Guitar Hero. Um, uh, what else did we play? Dragon's Lair. Remember that game fucking Dragon's Lair? It's like kind of like an animated game. I couldn't believe they had it because I was joking about it. And then somebody was like, it's over there. David, it's over there. I was like, holy shit. I was playing this game. Um, there was a Kiss pinball machine. I mean, it's just it, – but it was – it was Joe, there had to be at least – 500 different games you could play. It was unbelievable. Nicole, Boost Leprechaun, she's playing, I don't even ever forget the name of the game. She was playing it for two hours. I would go get a drink and I would come back and turn the corner and she'd be playing this game. I'd be like, she's like, go get me a cider. I was like, okay, boom. Come back. Like, I come back like two hours later, not two hours later, maybe about a half an hour later. She's still playing the same fucking game. Um, you would have you would have lost your shit in this in this. I, I'm telling you, I thought of you the minute I heard about it, and because it was like two things that checked the boxes for Joel. It was unbelievably great. Um, so what happened was they had this parking lot, and uh, Estevan, uh, you know, friend of the show, um, he does, he does he's his uh, unofficial New Japan fan club stuff uh, that he hustles very hard on. Uh, he called because he was going to meet us there, and but he didn't know how to get there, so he didn't even know the name of the place to put it in Google Maps. And I didn't really know because I was had about four margaritas, and I, I was like, I don't really know. So I wanted to walk kind of around to look at the front of the building so I could name the fucking building. And there was this puddle in the driveway or in the in the parking lot. And I didn't intentionally step in the puddle, but I'm just kind of walking around the puddle while I'm on my phone, trying to look up in an angle at the sign. My foot hits this water, and I'm telling you, Joel, there was something in it because it was like a sheet of ice. It was grease or some shit. Oil, I don't know. And I went fucking in the air and landed on my hip and ass and knee Phone flies out of my hand. Nicole doesn't ask if I'm okay. Ask if the phone's okay. <laughs> Phone was fine, by the way. Uh, didn't, I, I, was, I was waiting for the cracked screen. And I was just up my hip and my ass was soaked and, and filthy in this puddle that's probably been sitting there for fucking days. And I, uh, I didn't even notice the knee until I get in the place. And... Uh, like you feel, I felt my shorts rubbing against something on my leg, and I looked down. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a fucking maniac!" So you know, it was pretty messed up. So that's how that happened. I slipped on a in a puddle of of filthy water and 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 some type of viscous liquid that made me slip. That's exactly what happened. It wasn't a drunk stumble. Tell me about what was the best food that you had on the trip. Oh boy! Um, 
Those tacos were banging. I'm telling you, that that was really great. Um, I had uh, probably the tacos. That that's the first thing that sticks out. Um, I was a little bit outside of Dallas, Texas, uh, because that's where that's where we were. Um, and I had barbecue, and it was okay, but it wasn't like the like I was jonesing for this real deal barbecue. Uh, but we just couldn't find the time to, to get there. Joel, those tacos were, were fantastic. So I would go there. That was probably the best thing I had. Yeah. All right. Question from Markeem, who says, I had such a great time at the meetup. My question was, did you expect that many people to show up, Damon? So can you tell us a bit about the official Super Jcast meetup? Let me, I get nervous when we talk about meetups um, because I'm always like, ah, two people are going to show up. You know what I mean? Or one, you know, and it's just going to, I don't know. I was blown away. Let me tell you something. Nicole and Tyler from our group are they listen to the show and they they hold fort uh over that Discord. What a great what a great uh, absolute fucking legendary job by those two and anybody else who had their hand in that meetup. We had at one point and, it, and again, we're not selling out Madison Square Garden with this, but you know, for for a show like ours, and here's the thing: the, the Buffalo Wild Wings. It wasn't like it was like here's the arena next door is Buffalo Wild Wings. It wasn't that. It was like a like about a five minute ride from from the arena, and you had to if you were walking, it was at least twenty minutes, I would say, or, or half an hour. Um, so people had to go out of their way to come to this. Uh, we probably had about. 60, I think somebody said six between 60, 70, maybe even a little bit more at, at the peak. Um, it was unbelievable. Everybody was fun. Everybody was cool. Everybody there was having a good time. Everybody there had a, had, had a couple pops, uh, some decent wings. Um, it was just like I didn't want it to end. Like I was kind of like, oh, I, um, I, you know, do we have to go to the show now? You know, there was a part of it because, because you know, it's kind of like you just didn't want it to end. It was just a great afternoon. Um, and it, and people came in waves. John Carroll showed us up. Uh, Esteban, of course, was there. Um, Doug Fowler from Reddit there. Um, so many people. Uh, the, the, the guys from uh, Keeping It Strong Style there. Uh, they brought up a couple of their crew, the, you know, uh, some people that listened to, to them and, and may, may not have – I don't even know if they listened to us, to be honest with you. Um, but they were there, and, and they were friendly and nice. And, uh, I mean, there's so many – I'm just I'm, – I'm really trying to remember names and people just to so they get a shout-out. Um, <laughs> so many – I'm going to – can I – can we do one – can we do a WhatsApp for, for, for you, a picture? Can I, can I do this? I'm, can I yeah. send you a picture? All right. I'm going to send you a picture. Now, the first picture I'm going to send is a picture of, shockingly enough, of me. Now, this is a picture of me when I was, I mean, I was in high school, right? So I, it had to be like 80, I would say like 87, 88 maybe. Uh, let's see if I can get this here. If I could do this, bear with me one moment, please. Uh, while I do this, all photos. Um, and it is a picture of my, the height of my skateboardy 
uh, I wouldn't say punk rock, but my, you know, my new wavy kind of thing, new wavy kind of look and all that stuff. Um, if I could find a way to make this fucking happen. I know this is compelling video or audio that we're doing right here. Um, how do I get this picture in my fucking, why can't I find anything on my phone? Why, you know what I mean? Like, why is everything so fucking difficult? I'm in, the, I'm in my album. I'm in my photo album. Too many, <laughs> too many photos of Leica clogging up your albums. It's not, but it's like, but it's, it's like not talking to WhatsApp properly because it's like all my albums that are, or that I can easily find shit, um, are not coming up. Why is everything so fucking difficult, Joel? Can I ask that? Why is everything in my fucking life so difficult? Uh, I can't. Uh, whatever. I, whatever. <laughs> this is worth it. It's not worth it. It's really frustrating the fuck out of me. All right, let me let me try it this way. Let me try. Let me back back end my way in. I'm gonna back in through my photos, and maybe I can send it through your WhatsApp. Okay. All right. Why why can't you just have a regular fucking? Why can't we communicate just on Messenger? All right. All right. Let me see if I can do this. Right, please, for the love of God, can I do this? Um. All right. Okay. Of course, it's not in any of the apps here. Great. Okay. I I I don't fucking know, dude. Why? This everybody. I, I can't wait for everybody to be like, he doesn't know how to fucking send a. Uh, can I mail email it to you? Yeah. I, I, okay. Absolutely. I'll all right. Because that's got the computer that's, here. All right. <laughs> this is unbelievable. All right. That. All right. Send. All right. I just sent it via that. Okay. And now I'm going to send this picture. This, so that's me, right? Uh-huh. Let me know when you get it. Did you get it? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's have a look. Right, maybe you can describe that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Go ahead. So it's... How old are you here? It's like a t- um, teenager, or maybe. Yeah, probably like seventeen, like sixteen, seventeen. So it's seventeen-year-olds, Damon, with a very uh, cool haircut. Like a, I don't know how how you describe that kind of style. So very eighties. Yeah. Okay. A little, a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, people call it like flock of seagull hair, but it's really not flock of seagull hair. It was shaved on the side and shaved it back and kind of like underneath, so hair kind of flopped over, and then it let it grow long. So it's kind of almost a little bit modern day Nakamura ish, right? But uh-huh. yeah, you know, almost a bit emo. Where you got kind of like the sweeping fringe thing going on. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, look, I think emo is a real. It's an offshoot of everything that was. You know, yes. early '80s, I think, right? I mean, I don't think that's right. a stretch, right? Um, I know, I know. I gotta now. I gotta follow that up with a, a, a now a recent photo. So I gotta get this here. Oh, uh, why am I, I? I hate doing this. I'm so. I mean, actually, my hands are shaking because I know I'm sounding like an absolute fucking fool because I can't get this to work. Get, well, we've got editor Dan. He can tidy this all up for us. He's going to have to because it's. Don't I, worry I, about it. Like I just feel like a, just a total dunce. All right, let me see if I find. I I, I got to find the other picture. I'm now starting to understand what Brian Alvarez feels like. <laughs> this is exactly it. This is this is our equivalent 
of shuffling papers. Oh, oh my God, I'm panicking. I, uh, I, uh, you know, oh, Abraham. Okay, I'm going to send this. Okay, there's that. All right, sent. Okay, good. All right, that got gone. I've sent you a video as well in WhatsApp. Okay. All right, let me describe what I've got here. So you sent me a second photo, which is... The guy on the left. Still, it's down, it's, it's still downloading. Tantalizingly. Okay. Right. So we've got two gentlemen here in an arcade. One of them is sitting in a like a car racing game and has got very similar haircut. It was sort the of same. almost Tai Chi-ish. Yeah, come on. That's what somebody said. Somebody said the guy looked like Tai Chi. Um, so the whole trip, I couldn't stop looking at him because he looked like me from 30 years ago. <laughs> and I, we kept calling him past Damon and future Damon. <laughs> and then that was the whole entire thing. It, I all, all that buildup for just that joke was terrible. It's not I apologize. Worth it. It's it wasn't worth it at all. <laughs> it was like I'm trying to find a bit of the. John, I met this guy who had a similar haircut to the haircut I used to have when I was younger. Bad, done. But we've wasted like ten minutes of audio. <laughs> people are cheating. This might be one of the biggest podcasts we do this year because people want to tune in. Right? I, I want know! the hot takes from Joel and Dana about Stop! the G1 in Dallas and with the uh, half an hour in, got uh, nothing. <laughs> Fucking hate myself. Oh God. But yeah. Okay. So future David Paris name. Great. All that for nothing. I, I want this entire segment edited out. <laughs> fucking I hate myself. All right. So that was great. Look, the whole entire trip was great. There's so many people that were awesome and fun and 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 ridiculously awesome that I can't thank enough. But the meetup was was a was a was a one hundred percent success. So thank you to everyone. Everyone that came out. And said hi. Um, I truly appreciate it. You made the weekend great, and um, it was it was it was awesome, Joe. We missed you. Um, I we, we wish everybody kept saying, "Wow, I wish Joe was here. I wish Joe was here. I wish Joe was here." And I did too. But it was amazing, man. I, I couldn't believe uh, the the love that we were getting. So so hats off to everybody there. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I couldn't make it out. Uh, D the Great says more meetups in the future. Say one a year in LA. New York, and then somewhere in the middle of the country. What will it take to get Joel to the US for his show? Well, I only make trips for huge IWGP title matches. So if there's something like that on the cards, then who knows? But uh, I've spent quite a lot of money this year already on New Japan. So that might not be sustainable in the future, but uh, we'll see. But certainly we'll keep the meetups going. I'm sure there'll be one for Royal Quest, even if if we aren't there. Um, I'm sure someone can help us out with that take the lead um and yeah philly so definitely lots to look forward to and also the super j cast hall of fame we got the results from the vote for that and you know we've been singing the praises of uh, nicole booze leprechaun for all the outstanding work that she's done and very well deserved uh, winner entrant into the hall of fame alongside scampy and strong zero so i was talking to nicole about that and i was saying imagine trying to explain that to your non- podcast listening friends that you got voted into a podcast hall of fame alongside a cat and a drink <laughs> that's what makes us special uh yeah so imagine making well imagine standing in front of a room of 60 people and saying okay here are the hall of fame winners first of all saying that there's a hall of fame for us which is hilarious uh and then 
you know, saying, you know, it's it's a cat, an alcoholic beverage, and this fine person who helped organize this entire thing. Um, so yeah, it was uh, th- that was fun, and everybody everybody uh, gave her a big round of applause for for, for getting in, which was well deserved. Um, again, it, it's funny because I saw Kevin Kelly during the week, and I and I um, I failed to mention it to him. <laughs> I was, I was talking to him for five minutes, Joel. I swear, that's that's the kind of stupidity I I uh, I, was, I was talking to him for at least five minutes, um, and I saw him at the presser. We'll talk about the presser in a minute, um, and I didn't even mention it then. I I just yeah, the, the four people we picked, David, have totally no sold us. Uh, Kevin doesn't even know. Does Kevin know? Why not? Why isn't he listening to the podcast? I mean, he knows. I'm, I'm, Is it because well, he said shit. he does? It's because it's shit, no, isn't it? No, no. He says he he says he does because he mentions things to me. Fucking liar! I, it, no, I swear to God, he mentions things to me. But like, I, I'm sure he does. He 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 because we were talking about flying, and I was like, how the fuck do you go back and forth like that? Like, I just like that would just cause me so much anxiety. He goes, no, it doesn't bother me at all. I was like, the turbulence. He says, no, nothing. He goes, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, yours included, blah, blah, blah. He mentioned that. Um, and um, he said it doesn't bother him. So I don't know. Uh, I, look, I fucked up. That was my fuck up. Because I, I could have said, well, can, can, can everybody still just do us a favor? Congratulate Kevin Kelly for his entrance into the Super Jcast Hall of Fame. Just, just tweet him. Uh, a, a hearty congratulations. Just so he's, he'll be like, what the fuck? But I, I was right in front of him, and I, and I didn't say anything. So I, I stink. I'm, my apologies. All right. Louis says, since Damon was at that press conference, what did you think of the crowd? It was very different than the usual G1 press conference every year. So talk to yeah. us a bit about the uh, post-G1 presser. Okay. So when I got there, it was, um, it was packed, right? It was, it, there were a lot of people given the room that it was in, right? Um, it wasn't a big hall, uh, but it was like a place where, uh, like, you could see, like, having a wedding reception, right? Um, so, but it was packed, and they had the back area roped off. So they had the stage, and then they had what they considered the press area, and that was roped off. And then they had, um, uh, the, where the the fans would stand, so um, there were they probably had a, um, about a thousand people there, maybe even more, probably more, right? I would say close, maybe fifteen hundred. Um, it felt like uh, there were lines that were very long, waiting for people to get pictures. So um, the press conference was was a little bit different in the sense that we do a lot of cheering, right? I'm sure that came over if anybody watched it. Um, it was Here's the thing. It was loud, and they were up for anything. So people were cheering for everyone. There's no one that was like, you know, hand-waved, where it was like crickets. Um, but they were loud when they cheered, and they were cheering for everything. Did I like that? I kind of did. It made it a lot more – there was a lot more energy in a room as opposed to complete silence and hearing shutters of cameras and having pro wrestlers do their little thing, and then that's that. Like, it felt 
a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, there was a little bit of more of an energy in the room, at least. Now, I don't know how well that translated over television and to the viewers at home, if that got annoying, if that got whatever. But it being in there, it felt a, it felt a lot more energetic because I was kind of, I don't want to say dreading sitting through you know, two hours of people getting on the microphone and saying how they're going to win G1 and being at complete silence, it felt a little bit, it felt more energetic. So, so while I could see where people were like, oh, this is not, this is not a Japanese experience. And it wasn't because it was held in Dallas, Texas. Um, but I, I wasn't annoyed by it at all. I kind of enjoyed it. Who was your fashion champion? Zach, always. I, lo- I That's the look. That's, that's the look. Like if I were, a much thinner man he would be my 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 template um he looked sharp um sonata had his summer gear on um who else looked really good i mean evil looked the part right but it was still a little bit ridiculous you know what i mean um it was a little bit ridiculous but um but it, you know he's evil and that's that's what evil does um Tai Chi's looking good with a button-down I'll, shirt. I'll tell you what. I, 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 will, I will say this. So Okada comes out, and he, he looked good. He looked, he looked professional and looked uh, all, all stitched up nice. Um, now first it was Tanahashi, then it was Okada. Um, I, it wasn't until Tai Chi came out that I was like, holy fucking shit. This is this – because is, you never see Tai Chi here. Um, in the states, and when 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 he came out, that was like wow, okay, that's one. And Yano too, like it was like the the the, the I don't want to say the 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 B team came out, not the B block, but you know what I mean. Like when it, you come to the pecking order, when it was those guys that came out, I was like, okay, this is fucking real now, you know. Um, yeah, Tai Chi looked good. Uh, of course, Zach looked good. Um, who else looked good? Juice uh, Robinson looks like um, he's sort of like on security detail, like he's a yeah, protecting the president or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good comment. Yeah, I would say that. Fale, I mean, while Fale looks <laughs> the like part, shorts and flip yeah, flops. Yeah, they got a Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, uh, yep, uh, yeah, he's wearing Puma shorts, flip flops. I mean, look, I'm sure getting a suit for a guy that size is a little bit, but. You, you got to have at least one, right? You, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to weddings, you're going to a few, you got to have at least one. Use that same one. Uh, but he was having none of it. But I guess, I, I, I mean, is that the part? I, I think Jay White looked good. Jay White looked good. Um, I think everybody looked... Here's the thing. Everybody... I like the fact that even something as subtle as what they're wearing does play a factor in who they are as a pro wrestler, right? Like, Zach looks like Zach would dress. And Tanahashi looks, like, stylish, but looks, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like everybody, just little little details in what they were wearing kind of played a big story in in who they are. Um, It wasn't everybody. Like, Jeff Cobb had a suit on. Okay, great. But everybody, it did seem like everybody kind of had that. Lance Archer kind of looked like... um, like like he was like working security at a strip mall or at a strip club, um, but you know everybody else looked looked good. Everybody else looked 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 tight and uh, they did it well. Nice job. 
Did Naito go to sleep as he usually does? Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he fell asleep. I know Sonata did too. So I saw because I saw his head pop like not was that like, during his match. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll talk about it. Um. Now he you could tell he 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 popped down and and did the old oh yeah whatever thing. Um. Yeah, he he definitely nodded off. Uh, I can't blame them. They're they're just getting off a plane from Japan and expected to do this nonsense. I'd fall asleep too. You know, especially when you're like one of the first people talking. At least you come out, you get your pop, you sit down. Okay, Tanahashi, you speak. Here comes Tanahashi. He does it, and then he's got to sit through everyone else. Like he's just like, oh my god, shut up! You know, he, he just wants to get the fuck out of there. So, uh, yeah, he fell asleep too. I love that they flew Taichi out to Dallas. To do this presser, and then he was just hanging out at Lance Archer's Suzuki Gun pool party. I don't know if you saw the pictures of that. There was like Lance, Zach, Taichi. I, I don't know if like the rest of the New Japan roster were just sort of hiding around the corner to protect kayfabe. <laughs> Wait till they finished taking the photo, but uh, that was pretty funny. And, yeah, and uh, you you made Will Ospreay cry. Uh, talk to us about oh, this. I didn't make him cry. Like, all right, well, not on purpose, but you did. Oh, no. he he did break down. He did break down uh, when I after my question. Yes, that that is accurate. So if you see that video, and what was your hard hitting question, Damon? It really that wasn't that hard to tears. It really well. Here's the thing. Let me just say something a little bit about this 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 press conference. So there's always and in, in sports as well because this is this is my wheelhouse. Those that environment is my wheelhouse because. That's what I do all the time, right? So I kind of knew to, what to expect. I knew to expect this little brief when a person first sits down at the table and they adjust their mic and they kind of settle in. And then they look up and the person's kind of expecting, okay, fire away on the questions. But the people that are asking the questions, the press, there's always this little bit of awkwardness of who's going to be first and blah, blah, blah. Now, normally – what usually we've deferred to is that the beat writers, the newspaper guys, because they have very strict deadlines, usually ask the first questions, right? But if you're in an environment where there aren't people that necessarily have deadlines, you're going to have that little bit of awkwardness of space of who's asking the first question. In this particular case, it felt like there were people that weren't fucking media members. They were just people who... I don't know, okay? They might have a website that doesn't make you a fucking person who should be in a press conference, okay? So Okada comes out. IWGP heavyweight champion. In Dallas, Texas. G1. In a match against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Arguably his greatest rival. First question. What do you think about some fucking Whataburger hamburger? That's the first question. And I'm looking around like, what in the fuck just happened? Now it's now I'm like, all right, it's going to be one of these nonsense things, and I'm not having it. So it was then there were there were a couple of people in the back that were kind of like, what the fuck? So real questions, we had to start fucking firing them off. So th- that got better. Anyway, the Will Ospreay. So Okada comes out. He does his thing. In comes, I think Will was second, right? I th- no. Was Will second? Yeah, Will. Uh, no, he wasn't second. Will was later down the road. Anyway, 
So Will comes in, sits down. Uh, he's He says something along the lines of, you know, uh, I'm not really into doing these kind of things or uh, I've had a, a, a pretty terrible week. So I'm really not in the best mood. So I'm going to apologize in advance. Okay. So somebody asks him a, a question. I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but it was, you know, it wasn't a hamburger question. Um, so I asked, this was the exact question. Will, a lot has been made or a lot is made about the physical demands of G1 and the, the pain and punishment that wrestlers' bodies go through during G1. But how do you prepare mentally to perform at such a high level each and every night of your tournament block matches? That's a lot to ask of a lot of the guys. So he, so he answers. Um, he starts to answer. And then he kind of pauses. And he goes, guys, I got to, I got to. And then he puts down the microphone and he puts his hands on his head. And everybody's kind of like, oh, my God, what's happening? And I'm looking around like, I, I, I. so he, you know, he's upset because he's still something's going on in his life that's not positive. And he's like, look, travel stresses me out. Uh, and it makes me very anxious, and it makes me very, you know, on edge, and it puts me in a real bad place. And I'm like, boom, wheelhouse. <laughs> we can, we're, we're relating right now, Will Ospreay, because I'm right here with you. So then I follow up with a question, right? Uh, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what my second follow-up is. But then he, he kind of stays in that same world. And I was like, okay, well, this is where he, these, these, this is where he wants to be in talking about this. So then I was like, fuck it, I'm growing it. I gave him a third follow up, which was, uh, I know what my third follow up was because I was, I think about this too a lot. I was like, he was talking about how he loves to be in the ring, and that's his safe space, and that's his kind of place where he doesn't have to think about things elsewhere, and he could just focus on being in wrestling. So he, he he wants to be in the ring as much as he possibly can. He said, and, and and it keeps away those dark spaces where when he's outside the ring. And so I asked, well, l- Will, let me ask you, when those dark times come, who who do you lean on? As as a guy who's on the road, you know, th- three hundred days out of the year. And he stops and he like goes, I, I lean on the missus. And he ha- and he shares a story about what like he's wearing a chain around his his neck and he has a little charm that and I think she wears one too. Um and he takes it off before he goes to the ring and he puts it on right after. Um and I loved it. I thought that was great. You know, I thought that was a real good thing. But yeah, I look, I I I don't know something about Will that's that's kind of connecting with me big time on this. Um, I was I was in I was in, and these weren't questions where I was like, "Oh, let me lay the boots to him." Like I was really like, "Okay, dude, I I need, I, I want to learn more." I, like I it was weird because as stupid as it sounds, I kind of felt like it was me and him talking, and there was nobody else in the room, and I would love to have just get, gotten ten minutes with him, you know what I mean? And I would have just talked shit, not wrestling. You know, I I I I kind of wanted that, but 
it, it, it didn't happen. But it was weird. It was kind of like everybody else in the room left, and it was just us. It's very romantic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, he did break down and cry on on my question. But you know, listen, uh, he, you know, when you're upset, what are you going to do? It was just, it was just a weird that it was my question. Yeah. Let's move on to your experiences at the show itself. Now, I understand, Damien, you were in a suite. Uh, not only were you in a suite, you were there with the lead of the pro wrestling intelligentsia, Joe Lanza. Yeah. Yeah, to be a fly on the wall, Damien, people would have paid good money to hear your conversations throughout the show. What was the suite like? <laughs> the suite was wonderful. And again, that was Brian, right? So Brian, uh, his company that he worked for owns the suite, and he's able to get tickets to all the events that go to Dallas. And it was catered. Uh, it was... <laughs> Uh, it was lovely. So for the press, we have credentials. So uh, they had you, in, which was a little discouraging in the sense of, and I'll tell you why. They they had all the press in one of the sections on the first level of the arena. So it was like you were sitting as if you were fans, as if you were filling up seats, right? Like why would you make these seats uh, you know, and quarter them off for the press when they could – definitely be used for fans, right? Like, if these tickets were sold, we wouldn't be sitting here, is, is my point, right? Because it wasn't like we were roped off on some side section. It was like section 119. If you look at the arena, it's like right off, like, the next section over is you're directly centered with the ring. So I was like, oh, boy, that's not good from a, from a, from a visual perspective, right? They're just filling seats. That's just why we're here. But anyway, Brian had these tickets for the suite, and he was like, look, if you want, you can, you know, you're more than welcome to come here. We would we'd love to have you up here. So uh, bef- so before we, before the suite, we get to the, the arena, right? And it was me and um, the, the guys from Keeping a Strong Style. And we go and get our press credentials. So you had to pick them up at the door. So we pick them up at the door. And they say, okay, well, you got to go around to the, the other side of the building where the employee entrance is, and that's where you get in. Okay, cool. So we have our credentials. We have our stuff. We go to the place. And I'm, again, I'm familiar with these arenas. I go, I'm familiar with the deal. We go, we go in line. We, get, we have to get our bags searched. And that was that. They, they open the door. There's a guy opening doors there, opens the door. We walk in. So we walk in. We're walking around the arena. Uh, uh, we're taking pictures of you know the merch and stuff, you know, just kind of doing around. And then we go into the con- you know concourse, and then we kind of walk out to where you know the 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 the, the event is, the event floor. And we're, you know, we're taking a couple pictures of the you know the jumbotron and the stage set up and all. And there's nobody else in the building, um, you know, down there. There's wrestlers milling about. Um, Kevin, we saw Kevin Kelly down there. And a lady comes over and goes, are you with the press? And it's like, yeah. yeah. We showed her credentials. Um, and she goes, you're not supposed to be in here. I was like, well, okay. Um, we can we tell us where to go. We can go anywhere you want. But um, no, you're not supposed to be in the building. Like, well, okay. we didn't sneak in through a fucking dumpster. Right? <laughs> we were let in by the team. You know, we picked up our credentials. We're here. You know, it's not a big deal. Like again, for any other legitimate sport, I'm this is not a big deal, right? The media gets your credential, you go in, and that's that. But apparently this was an issue. 
So she runs off and starts yelling at the fucking staff. You can't let these people land. Uh, but then they pushed us into this bar, which was not a bad idea. <laughs> so they pushed us in there. That's where we met Lanza. Um, so Lanza is there. We're talking with him. What a Look, what you get with Lanza on the show is what you get in real life. And he is just hilarious. So he's he's a Jersey guy. And uh, we, we I don't know. It felt like we hit it off fine. Not fine. Great. And we were up there, and it was hilarious. We could never do it. We could never do a show. It would be edited to death. It was, he even said, he's like, we could never do a show because it would be edited. But he was just fucking hilarious. We were just, uh, I don't know. It was just a good time. Fully catered. Uh, we lived the life. It was me, Brian, a couple of his coworkers, Lanza, uh, Nicole, Tyler. Um, was there anybody else? I think I think maybe one or two of Tyler's friends, maybe. Um, but that was it, and it was great. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very, very. Um, it was right in front of the, the ring, so uh, you know, on the, on the sweet level, it's great. I, I I I couldn't enjoy the show more from from that perspective. So uh, again, big thanks to Brian on that one. That was that was an awesome awesome thing. Uh, what did you think of the setup in the arena itself? How did everything look inside? Um, a couple of people were kind of hand waving the stage. They said it looked a little bit low rent. I didn't have a problem with the stage. I didn't care about the staging. Uh, I thought that was fine. I thought it looked great, like seeing, you know, uh, like Tanahashi's video on the jumbotron and how they, you know, they'll, they'll light up the the tier around the arena, you know, to his theme and shit. I thought the visuals of it were great. You know, the, the setup was great. Look, I know a lot has been made about the the optics of empty seats. And you know, I was joking with Lanza. I was like, you know, it kind of looks like a fucking one of those parade of champions, you know, events at, at the Texas Stadium of lo and behold in Dallas uh, that you would see, you know, not maybe not even the first one, but maybe like the third one where it's like a lot of empty seats. It didn't look good. There were a lot of empty seats. In there the was one shot in particular. I, I screen capped it, put it on the Twitter, when Tanahashi went up for the high fly flow and just totally bare, absolutely bare behind him. And it looked horrible. And to be fair, they cut away very quickly, but I saw that. I was like, ooh. Yeah. It was, it was, they roped off. So they had a second level that they had, but really the only people sitting in them were like in the first like the center, like you would be centered with the ring and then a scattering of people in the sections next to the section above that all tarped, all tarped. Um, you know, there's people that say, you know, look, they don't give a fuck. They did it and they're not going to tarp off everything and blah, blah, blah. Okay. It, it didn't look good. It didn't look like a, a hot product, right? Events sell out all the time, whether it's a concert. People go to events. People didn't feel the need to buy a ticket to this event for whatever reason. Now, whether that's the marketing team, whether that's New Japan just isn't as hot, whatever the case may be, the fact of the matter is, and and if I'm being completely honest, that was not a good look. And again, let me be very clear. It just wasn't a good look. You can't spin it any other way. I don't care if the last time they were there, they with with the elite, they had you know 
3,800 people. In this building, if you're going to run this building, that is a that is just a, just a, not a, a good look. Now, and again, whether it's financially successful, from what I understand, it was okay. And whether it was it was already a bought show um, by by Access or the, the arena or what, whatever the case may be, New Japan has made it clear that it was a profitable show. It just didn't look good. It didn't look good. Now, Joel. That being said. Fans that were there, the 4,800 people that were there, I will go so far as to say it was one of the best American pro wrestling crowds I've ever been a part of. This Can I just jump in with a question? Yes. Let's put this in context. Nicole asked, how would Damon rank the crowd in relation to other wrestling crowds he's been a part of? Did it feel like a super knowledgeable, Philly, Caracoan-type crowd, a large collection of casuals looking to be entertained, or somewhere in the middle? And just from my mind, just watching on TV, it sounded really, really hot, very loud. They they popped for everything. Everybody got over. Everybody was excited to see everyone. There wasn't one person where they didn't get a, a sizable cheer. Um, it, they were they were up for everything, and they were knowledgeable about the spots. They were knowledgeable about what to look forward to. They were knowledgeable about key components. And to me, they made 4,800 people sound like 8,000, 9,000. It was loud in the building. And which, which truth be told, could very well, that, that, that noise could, could have gotten lost in that arena, in that empty arena. Like that sound could have just traveled and dissipated like, like a, a vape cloud. It didn't. It, it was loud. What? I'll, I'm never going to forget to the day I'm put in the fucking ground. I'm never going to forget that stare down of Tanahashi and Okada and that crowd realizing what was happening, what they were saying, and it was not lost on them. And they cheered and then they stood up and cheered and applauded and they were pumped and they were psyched and they were thrilled. There was it, it was a it was the best American pro wrestling crowd I've ever been a part of the best of all my years of going to wrestling. Um, now, again, I can't even I, I don't I don't want to compare it to a Japanese crowd because to me that's not fair. That's not fair because it's not the same thing. It, you, you, it's two different cultures, two different people, and two different ways to experience a show. <clears throat> I, I I again I've, I I will always say. You know, being able to appreciate both is really the key. Um, and to be able to have people go over to Japan and see a show and experience it for themselves. Yes, that I would I would love everyone to do that. Not everybody can do that. I would I would take this any day of the week. This was a this this crowd helped make a show. Look, if this was a crowd of any other style, fashion, whatever. And and you, this could have been—I wouldn't say a disaster of a show, but it could have—it could have been a little less positive thumbs up on, on a show if, if the crowd was shit. And the crowd was nowhere near shit. They were great. I cannot fault the crowd. They did everything in their power to make this an, a great experience for everybody. Now look, were there some moments where you're just like, you know, where I don't know. 
uh, a, a this is awesome chant. Okay, but that they they kind of got quelled down quickly. Um, I mean, personally, I'm not going to tell somebody don't chant this is awesome. Do whatever the fuck you want. You paid the ticket, but you kind of just know. Was there some of that? Of course there was. It's, it's, it's okay. But overall, what a, what a great experience. They, 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 I, 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 I swear to God, I wish I could have high-fived everybody leaving that fucking arena because we all deserved it. That was a really great job. John says, do you think the crowd size was a disappointment and would it prevent New Japan from coming back despite Okada saying they will be? So the official attendance statement was 4,846. So let's just talk about ticket sales a bit. Um, putting this in context, last year they drew less than 4,000 for day one of the G1. So looking at this Dallas show, there's a number of factors which a lot of people have talked about already. It was badly marketed at first. It's day one of a month-long tournament. There's no title matches. Tickets were expensive. The elite weren't there. It was a secondary market. Like not, you know, Dallas is not one of uh, New Japan's you know, primary markets, is it? The card went up relatively late. So there's just not much there to hoover up those on-the-fence casuals to make a big cross-country trip because it's this kind of thing you need to book that in advance if you're getting flights, hotels, things like that. I will say technically this, this is the only show that's on the G1 tour that are going to outdraw this one will be Hokkaido, Budokan and Osaka Edian Arena. And I think in a different arena, this would have looked fine. So, I mean, that's it should the only be that they... They set up for 4,000 initially. Then they opened seats up for 5,000, which I think tells you a bit what the internal expectations were. And I don't think they would have picked that building if it not for Mark Cuban likely giving them a discount. So Okada did say it's not the last time. Maybe not in Dallas next time. Other places they could go. Chicago might be an idea. But uh, what do you think about the ticket sales and what would be the next steps for New Japan? What should they do differently next time? Here's the problem that I have. And it's really just about, one, the arena that they picked and really understanding who their market is right now. There were very few people that I talked to that lived in Dallas-Fort Worth that were going to the show. Very few, right? Everyone that I talked to, and maybe it's just me and I'm in a bubble but it's not even the people that I talk to because you, you do you know how you go to shows and, and but you see these people and they're at every fucking New Japan show that you're at, but you don't necessarily go up and talk to them. You know, you just don't know them. So I don't know. You feel weird, whatever. But there, 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 there was that, right? So these people are at every show that maybe I don't talk to. But even the people that I did talk to, a lot of them were people that I would see at every show, right? And even if they weren't, they were they flew in. They drove in. A four-hour drive. Oh, I'm from Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, I'm from Indiana. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm from, you know, Seattle. Okay, flew in. Uh, I'm from Phoenix. Oh, I'm from all over the, all over the country. <clears throat> it was rare that I heard, yeah, I live around here. I'm from here. I didn't hear that a lot. So to me, I find it very hard to believe that there's not a lot of pro wrestling fans in Dallas because they can other companies can run that building, and again with the help of TV, the help of everything else, that, and the, and the conglomerate that they are, um, there's still people going to these build to, to this building. People have gone. It's just it's not uh, five thousand people 
is their sweet spot right now when it comes to the United States of people going to these shows. Let's let's be honest. Madison Square Garden was uh, was a success because it was a destination weekend. I hate to say it. It was a destination weekend. Right? And also, I think people were expecting the elite there. I think you got a lot of fans of the Bucks and Kenny Omega who bought the tickets at the time with the assumption that they'd be seeing those guys there. Yes. I think that you can't say that that's not because if you look at the the other side of the coin when it comes to uh, all elite, you know, they're, they're selling buildings, guys. I, I mean, I can't – listen, I, you know, I, I want to sell out buildings too. But, you know, we, we didn't. Right? We didn't. We can come up with a thousand excuses. We can come up with everything that you just rattled off, Joel, and and we can we can hash it to to the to the to the cows come home. At the end of the day, what New Japan's sweet spot is is five six thousand, depending upon the location. Right, it really is. Now, is Dallas the market? I don't know. I, I can't say, but to me, there weren't a lot of Dallas people coming in. If if we ran Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, would we be able to sell that out? I I I I kind of feel like probably not. Pro- probably not. It we we it would be better than Dallas, but I don't know if we would sell it out. I just. Dallas was a weird city. I, I get, again, I don't know if it was the building, the sweet deal that they got. I, I don't know. I just feel like Dallas is a real weird fucking place to have this. And, and my weirdness is kind of justified by the fact with it weren't many people from Dallas that were at these shows. It was everybody who traveled that, were, that was at this show. The same people that traveled to every fucking show were at this show. And it didn't feel like Dallas came out and represented. That was that was the general feeling I got from this show. So what do you think they should do differently next time? One, is G1 the issue? Like, is G1... And I, and I, and I say that because the, the, the people who knew about G1 were the were the same people that you know that follow the promotion that are around all these shows are the same people, right? Like I don't I don't think G one was a draw in and itself, right? Like I had people in my life that are wrestling fans, right? That like different things. They might not be hardcore New Japan people, but they you know they they, they, they like wrestling, but they don't have a fucking clue what G one is, right? So I think that there was a little bit of an assumption that G one was going to do it. Two. The problem with G1 is that you can't announce people in advance, right? So you can't announce main events and 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 people have an expectation. I still think that there was issues with trust with the visa stuff of who's showing up and who's not because I've heard it. I heard people say it. And I was like, well, no, they're fine. They they're they're good. That's that's all been sorted. But there was still some bad taste there. Um, and people didn't know a lineup. People didn't know what they were seeing. They knew names. I don't know. What can they do? Or answer the question. What can they do different? I don't think Dallas is, is the city for it, obviously. They got to really pick their markets a little bit smarter. Uh, and I know they're testing the waters with New York and Philly and, and that. And I think that's a good idea. Look, Philly's going to sell out in an instant. 
Philly's selling out in an instant. New York, I feel like that's selling out really quick too. Boston, I think it can sell out. I don't think it'll instantly sell out. It could. But I'm telling you right now, Philly's going to go in fucking seconds. Seconds. Um, and that's a building that, okay, that that's good. That's fine. I, I, I think they, look, I think they see Kenny and they see Bucks and they see Cody selling out MGM Grand and selling out Sear Center in seconds. And that, that can't feel good to New Japan. That can't fucking feel good. They got to pick their cities better. They got to do it. They got to, they got to give, they got to give, look at, I, look at the copper box. Look at the situation there. They picked the city that's a hot wrestling city, that's a strong wrestling city that can support, and they announced things early, and they were giving things early. Now, they're going to wind up with a match announcement soon, right? That probably by the, by the time this podcast is released, right, we're going to know some matches. You, I don't think you could just go in with just the name New Japan Pro Wrestling alone in a building like that, in a city like that, and think tickets are just going to move like that. Because the tickets that moved were people that were going to travel to the fucking show anyway. It was the same people that go to every show. So that's the problem. It's a shame. I mean, it's unfortunate that New Japan are entrenched in their, their little ways of doing things. Like, oh, we've got to wait until this date for Kizuna Road at Krakowin before we announce the G1 blocks. Because a lot of people have said, if they had had the flexibility... Uh, to back in, I don't know, January, February, whenever it was they announced this, to say the main event of this show is going to be Okada versus Tanahashi in the G1. They'll be in the same G1 block. I don't think it would have been a disaster. It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to reveal that because it. I think that would have been fine. So, again, if they've got to stick to all these little rules about how they do things, then they've got to deal with the consequences of it. But It um, is, it is, but that's, but, yeah? yes, but, but, but let's just follow up on that. That's a problem because... You, if they haven't learned any lesson from this, is that New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in the United States are different than New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in Japan. At the, at the very core of that, they're different. And they, there are different expectations. Whether that makes us shittier people or not, sorry. That's the market. That's who you're dealing with. And you can't treat them the same as you would the Japanese audience. Because in the Japanese audience, it's okay to announce a show a week before and still have people show up, right? To a, to a certain degree, that, that's, that, that statement is true. With us, it just doesn't fucking work that way. It just doesn't work that way, especially for a brand that's, that you're trying to, to educate pro wrestling fans on, right? You can't just walk in and be like, we're New Japan and we're showing up because you're going to get the same 4,500 people. Right? You're not going to grow. It's a different audience. So, yeah, that the, the office has to think about that. Are they going to change their ways? Are they going to, to, to not, you know, I hate to say, it, cater to a fucking Western audience if you want to grow shows in that audience? If not, don't, don't, don't book a building that big. Now, again, if it's financially successful, it's financially successful, right? That, at the end of the day, that's what the most important thing is. But from a pure optic standpoint, 4,500 people, 4,800 people in that building did not look good. Let's talk about the matches. Then first match was um, a tag team match. Tangelo and Tamatonga defeating Shonyo in 6 minutes 42 after a super powerbomb. 
You tweeted out some interesting thoughts about G.O.D. and the length of this match, Damon. Yeah, I like this match, right? Now, look, they were in there with Sho and Yo, who were able to take all the bumps and, 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 and work at a nice, big, crisp pace, right, to set up a nice, hot opener. But G.O.D. has to get some credit here, too. This, the, this, is, this is G.O.D.'s sweet spot. If they could just have matches of this style and caliber, and I'm and I'm what I what do I mean by that? Seven minute sprints. That that's their that's their wheelhouse. If you go past ten minutes with a God match, it, it's it's it, the diminishing returns, right? I love this match. I thought this match was really solid and a, and a, and a really good opener. Uh, they they need to stay tags, obviously, right? I think they get exposed a little bit when they're in singles matches. Obviously, keep them as a tag. Keep these matches six, seven, eight minutes. Not nothing. Twelve now. Fifteen now. Ten minutes. That's that's that that's your bar, and that's their sweet spot. And they could have great, entertaining, fun, hard hitting. They could hit all their shit. Right, hit all the fucking big moves and make him look like a star, and that's what people were kind of hanging their hats on when it came to like Tomatong and G One. Oh, put Tomatong in G One. Tomatong is oh, he deserves it. He looks great. But 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 that's because he was put in an element where he looked good in these type of tag matches. You you if you put Tomatonga and Tongaloa in these type of tag matches all the time. I'm telling you, we wouldn't have half the fucking complaints about the tag division. We really wouldn't. It's when you get these matches that go past 10 minutes that you're just scratching your head like, oh, my God, fucking Christ. Right? Keep them – keep – this is how you book them. Keep them here. This is their lane. This is their wheelhouse. This is what they're good at. Keep them here. I like the finish of this match, David. There was a really cool spot where Rapongi 3K was setting up for the 3K and then Tamatonga came flying in from the side with a gun stun. The gun stun out of nowhere. And that led to the finish. I thought that was pretty good. Um, second match then was uh, another tag match with Shota Umino and Tomohiro Ishii losing to Renarito and Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb pinned Shota Umino following a tour of the islands in 7 minutes, 18 seconds. I really enjoyed this one, Damon. I thought this is great. Crowd very, very hot for Ishii. Really good match. Great fire between Ishii and Cobb. It just served its purpose, didn't it? To get your juices flowing, whet your appetite for that Ishii versus Cobb G1 match. I like the fact that they kept going afterwards. They had to be separated. And, I mean, I wonder how many people, if casual fans, might have been watching that thinking, oh, I want to see more of these guys and maybe even signing up for New Japan World to see that. I hope so, because you're right. They, it was textbook. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a better setup to a, a, a you know, Block B match later this week. Uh, first of all, how can you not be excited at the idea of Cobb and Ishii together, just just in, in general. But then they were just tossing each other around like they were ragdolling each other. <laughs> Great. Uh, and he, how about that one little spot, uh, the suplex spot, uh, trying to get Ishii up, and Ishii blocking it, blocking it. And the fans were just kind of like, come on, fucking. Was it, was, was it Shota Unamuno? Was it? Was it? Um, who, who was it? Who, who was the young lion in there with the suplex spot? Uh, it would have been Narita trying to. Narita, I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, holy, I mean, it's a, like those little tiny things where New Japan 
feed you. It, I mean, there was a suplex spot. It wasn't like there was, there was this giant, you know, you know death-defying move, but it was like everybody was behind it in a, in a you know, little block and then finally gets him over. I loved it. I thought the match was, was textbook. I really did. I, I mean, I well, and, and yes, if you're not hyped up for Ishii Cobb now, like like you weren't before, but okay, we just added a little, little extra air, a layer of icing on top of it. It's, it's fucking great, fucking great. And the, and again, the crowd was up for this. Everybody, everybody was pumped for everything. Ah, what a great crowd! Really, really good job. Third match: Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto defeating Chase Owens and Jay White. Goto pinned Owens in eight minutes thirty-eight following a GTR. Nothing to write home about here. Um, didn't think this was didn't really jump off the page. It was fine. Well, let me let me let me tell you a little something. Let me let, let's talk a little bit about the press conference with Jay White. So Jay White is in there, and he says, "Okay, these are the questions I'm not going to answer. How does it feel to be in G1? How does it feel to have da- in Dallas? Blah 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 blah. I've heard these a thousand times. Blah. So, but that those were the cookie cutter questions, right? Everybody was asking, right? So I ask, um, talk to me about. Chase Owens and the role he plays in helping you prepare for your B-block tournament matches. And he goes, finally, a good question. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow, you got uh, the Jay White seal of approval. That's right. That's right. I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, also, uh, Kevin Kelly, when he came in. So I, I wanted to leave real quick um, to go to the bathroom. I had piss again. Uh, and as I was opening the door to leave, somebody was trying to open to come in, and it was Kevin Kelly. And he looks at me, he goes, Damon, you can't fucking leave. So he goes to the, to the, to the desk, and he goes, all right, Damon McDonald from the Super J-Cast, you have the first question. And I'm like, fuck. All right. And I gave him some cookie cutter, you know, how's it feel, Dallas, you, you calling all the history to wrestling, blah, blah, blah. All right. So anyway, this match, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay. Look. I know I know it's it's almost becoming the cool thing to to be like I'm so edgy of a person that I'm going to root for Yoshihashi. You know what I mean? Or or I'm, you know, I see the value of Hiroki Goto. Okay. All right. If you want if you want to die on that hill, knock yourselves out people cuz I'm done. Because and I made the the bag of socks comment to Lanza, and apparently that was the first time he's heard that one, and he was rip roaring laughing. Uh, bag of socks, just a bag of socks. Uh, to me, Chase and um, Chase and Jay were the stars of this match. I really enjoyed seeing them. I, I like them as a tag team. I li- I would like to see them as a tag team. Truth be told, like I'd, li- I'd like to see them in that in that mix. They could make that really interesting. I mean, then I think Jay's at a point where he's too high to to put him in the tag, um, but, but again, what does that say about your tag division? But I would like to see that in the future. Fourth match: Jushin Thunder Liger, Juice Robinson, and Toriyano defeated Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. Yano pinning Bushi in eight minutes eighteen, following a roll up. How was it seeing your boy Liger again? I think uh, always great. Like I didn't see him at the meet and greet. I didn't see him like uh, at any of that. Um, Crowd was into it. The crowd kind of felt, you know, they knew they they knew the significance of seeing him. Um, Yano was over as fuck again. Um, I'm trying to think of like what the highlights for me were of this match. I mean, they did the smart thing in working over Liger, right? 
because everybody was into seeing Liger getting heat on him. Uh, Lanza made a comment that I wholeheartedly agreed with. Like, how do you not fucking give Liger the pin there, right? You know, how do you how do you not do that? But you know, well, that, that's what Japan. I mean about them being set in their ways. Like, right. they oh the guy who's got the G one match coming up next has got to get the pin to build up their momentum going into the G one match, and it's just one of those things where you want to have a bit of flexibility to just change things and just say, ah, oh, look, come on, it's Liger. It's the last time a lot of these fans are going to see him. Let's let him have the win here. Right, right. I mean, it is that inflexibility that you sometimes think that they can't get out of their own fucking way. Um, and again, I understand why we don't need to hear 5,000 comments. Oh, they're setting up people. I, I, we, I know that's what they're for. I, I know in this one instance, again, just for everything that you said, it, it would kill nobody to have Bushi lie down to fucking Liger. It would no one in the you know would 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 bat an eye at, at that being absurd. So oh well, I mean it was just a moment that they missed, I think. But okay, you, you kind of went into it knowing you might not get that, but the fact that they didn't do that was just a little bit a little bit disappointing. Into the G one tournament matches themselves. So we had Lance Archer defeating Will Ospreay. In 18 minutes 16, with the everybody dies claw, the EBD claw. What did you think of Lance's new look? Good. I liked it. I didn't. And I thought I thought it was different. It, you know, I, I think he needed to spice things up and add an, an additional layer to whatever he was doing to kind of break out of the mold of. I mean, it wasn't too far off of what he was, uh, but the red hair. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. I thought it was fine. A um, little, little something different. You won't get this reference, but he looks like a character from Mortal Kombat called Shiva. So, any Mortal Kombat fans there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, one little thing I really enjoy about Lance Archer, Damon, is his trash talk. It's really great. Just the little things he was saying, like when Will chopped him and Lance just no-sold it. was like, you dumb fucked up now! Osprey ain't doing <laughs> shit! And then he said to the ref, I will fuck you up! He said that to Tiger Hattori, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. And it, you know, it's not like that, like Shawn Michaels scripted dialogue that you get artificially inserted into climactic moments of uh, NXT takeover main events. I like little things like this. It's, it's organic. It's in character. It feels authentic. It just enhances my enjoyment of the match. Um, match itself, great. Absolutely great. Oh, so yeah. good. Started off with a freaking Spanish fly right off the bat. Right. Pace, I... intensity, off the charts. Yeah. Sasuke yeah, special. On... Yeah. yeah, on Lance Archer, a fucking, you know, yeah. I, I get I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't want to cut Yeah. It's unbelievable, yeah. I mean, yeah, the athleticism, just ridiculous. Like, uh, yeah, I was saying, the Sasuke special, Lance catching him, chokes him through the table. I love that. It's so creative. The callbacks from their previous match, like the, the spot with the pounce where Lance sort of changed direction, was able to send Will flying this time. Will did a little amazing red tribute. He did the code red on the ramp. Double count out tease, very dramatic too. It looked like Lance had outsmarted Will. He shoved him out of the way, but... The way Osprey transitioned that into the springboard dropkick was superb. Just outstanding chemistry between these guys. Uh, Archer had some new moves as well. He, he had a muscle buster. Osprey was using a ripcord hook kick. I don't know if that was a little nod to Okada with a ripcord thing. And I thought the finish was brilliant. I loved it with the, the top rope blackout, the everybody dies claw. Just terrific match. Osprey, brilliant as he always is, did his part in making Lance look like the monster that he is. We know how good Osprey is. We say it every week, but I want to talk about Lance Archer for a moment. Let's give him the credit that he deserves because he had a huge spot here. 
a lot of pressure, having missed the last few G1s. Kiriri squad faded into obscurity. He needed to deliver here, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He looked monstrous in the best possible way, just a terrifying beast. And Archer was talking about that with Dave Meltzer last week, how in other places he's constantly told not to do certain things, don't do this move, don't do that move. But New Japan just tell him, turn it up, be more aggressive, more monster, more big. That was the quote. And <laughs> honestly, Damon, I think he's one of the most underrated guys, one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. And I think this was the best match of his career, certainly the best Lance Archer match that I've seen. And he's not a young guy. He's 42, Damon. Yeah. And he's improving. Coming up back surgery. Uh, Coming right, back you, you see lots of wrestlers. They have this sort of resurgence in the late 30s where, you know, like the mental, the psychological ability starts to dovetail perfectly with the physical ability. And Lance Archer, he seems to have hit this sweet spot at the age of 42. Like you said, two years after he broke his back. He broke his back. This man was 40 years old. He had surgery on a herniated disc. He was sidelined for six months. And now he looks fucking incredible. The, the man's taking code reds on the ramp. Spanish flies on the top rope. It's a six foot eight, 42 year old who broke his back. That's mental. So let's give it up for Lance Archer. Absolutely. Without question. Would it, would it, would it surprise people if I were to say, and again, I haven't gone back and watched on, on television. So I don't know how it came across on television, but live in the arena, this match might be my favorite match of the night. It was, as the kids say, an absolute fucking banger. And you're right; it started off hot. There was no, at no point was were, was anybody sitting there. First, you know, you're hyped because it's G1, and here we're starting, and, and it's the first match, and they come out with that fiery open. And you're right, Lance destroying Will on that table. Uh, <laughs> so many just just crazy spots for a guy at that size. You know, he shouldn't be doing those things. And you're right. At that age, and again, he broke his fucking back. And, uh, yeah. To me, you're right. He had to deliver. And 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 he was put in a good spot to deliver with Will. Who who again, just fucking outstanding. Every time. What what in an, in an, like New Japan is absolutely so fortunate to have a myriad of these type of guys that can just go at a high level and produce these type of matches at every go. And uh, again, will will in uh, in New Japan. In New Japan Pro Wrestling, Will Ospreay, you could put up there right now this year as top three, top guy. Where do you put him? Again, it's Will Ospreay. Where in years, before you might not have even put him in fifth, whatever. Lance Archer, a guy who, for all his KES shortcomings, right, knocked the fucking ball out of the park. When he had to step up and do so. It's an amazing thing. When you give these people opportunities to shine and you take off whatever handcuffs they might have had before. And that's not to say that David Boy Smith Jr. was a handcuff. 
But being I was going to ask you actually if you think Davy Boy Smith Jr. was holding him back, but I guess I you mean, don't subscribe to that. I I don't because you could be an awesome tag team, but look, he took it to another level. This was the best. A guy at forty-two years old having his best match. Think about that. And how many years has he been? Twenty years has he been wrestling? Right? Come on. It's amazing. You don't, you don't, that, 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 what, did this just happen? He just learned how to do all this shit? No. This shit is, 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 is inside of him. So it's kind of like this. If Lance Archer is now that guy, who else is there? That if you just give them the opportunity to do something like that, who else is out there that can do that? That's what's amazing to me. 42 years old, broken back. Again, he's in there with, with a guy who's having a, a career year as well. What an amazing job, though, by Lance Archer in his hometown. I'm sure, so I'm sure he, you know, he, he, he was you know, a little, little bit more butterflies than maybe normal. What an outstanding job. Now, here's the key. All our praise, all, all of our stroking of, of Lance and Will, let me ask you a question. You might want to get out your Google machine to, to give me an answer. What does Lance have next? Do you know who Lance's next opponent is? Because that's that's gonna that's gonna be the question mark. Can he can he match this? And can he still maintain this? I don't want to even say this type of pace or this type of match structure. But is he going to be able to deliver in the ring? With a guy that's not named Will Ospreay, that's going to be my. Who question. would be the worst? Who would be the worst possible opponent in that block for Lance Archer? Fale, and that is his next match. Yes. Yeah. How do you think that's going to go? Well, I said it before. They had a match at last year's New Japan Cup that I thought was pretty good. I like having the big monster matches. It's like watching a kaiju film, you know, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah or, or whatever. I think, you know, I, I dig stuff like that. I know it's not to everyone's taste. Some people are going to probably watch and be like, oh, it's slow, it's boring, the work rate's not there. But I think Lance has got enough intensity and sort of the, the sort of ferocity of his character to make a match like that compelling for me, as long as they keep it nice and short. That one, five, six minutes tops, I reckon. And right. it could be good. Right. Keep it short. Uh, Lance is going to, there's going to be a lot asked of Lance on this one. He's going to have to be the bump guy. Right. He's going to have to uh, make Fale look good. Because it ain't going to be the other way around. Uh, yeah. I'm, that, that one. And now I'm even more interested in Lance coming off of the Will match. I'm, I'm, I'm now interested to see, okay, was that. And I don't think it is because this this was a a stellar performance by by Lance, but now he's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting in this one. So uh, I'm going to be very curious to see this match for sure. Now, of course, look, I'm not expecting you know Fale to perform at any type of level of Will Osprey. Will Osprey helps a lot in this equation, uh, but I'm I'm going to be curious to see what kind of heavy lifting Lance can do in this. 
Jerry asks, if Lance Archer continues to deliver as well as he did against Osprey, what is his ceiling now? And Nicholas says, your thoughts on how you think Lance Archer's G1 will look after an awesome opening match with Osprey? Is this something that you think will continue or just a way to make him look more of a threat to the rest of the block? So what do you think Archer's ceiling is and what does the rest of his G1 look like? I think he's middle. He's middle of the pack, right? I think he's, to me, he's, he seems like one of those guys that starts hot and fades fades away toward the end. Um, and again, first nights are always nice when you have those l- little bit of upsets and, you know, those, you know, you can't take what happens in, in the first night for each block and think that that's how it's going to play out at the end. I see Lance middle of the pack. Um, he's going to, and he'll probably to me, in, especially in that block, he'll probably get more losses than wins. Um, but to me, it's just more of the, the showing you know, how he, how he performs as opposed to point totals. Next match was Bad Luck Fale defeating Evil in 11 minutes 33 following a Bad Luck fall. Uh, quite the change of pace here, Damon. Um, Evil looking very shiny in his new gear. Uh, match itself, admittedly my expectations were extremely low going into this, but, I, you know, I thought it was okay. It didn't outstay its welcome. I thought it got evil over as a baby face. There were lots of evil chants from the crowd. And even though he lost, but I think the fact that he was able to show a bit of his own scheming, he had a bit of edge to him. He had some nice strength spots. He had the body slam, the lariats, the bit where he booted the chair out of Farley's hands. Uh, I thought Farley bumped surprisingly well for him. And he doesn't do that for everyone. I, honestly, I was just relieved to see that there wasn't a DQ finish here after all the shenanigans last year. And I thought it was notable the fact that Farley needed to cheat to win. He had the ref bump, the low blow, the chair attack, and then the bad luck fall. And I do think right. that's significant because he didn't used to need to do all that even when he was uh, still like a, a monster heel because that's a lot of shenanigans to put away one of the lower guys in LIJ. But all things considered, I like this. I mean, stars, I only go back three stars, but that's not bad at all. And this will probably be one of Farley's worst matches in the tournament because with respect to Evil, there are better guys in this block for getting an exciting match out of Bad Luck Farley. But I thought this was fine. Right. I mean, especially, you know, Tanahashi and Okada where Farley, if he's going to have a anything sniffing a great match, it's, it's probably going to be with one of those two guys that have done it with him in the past. Yeah, I mean, to to a lot of people in the arena, this felt like bathroom break time. Um, I don't think that there were many people that were super excited at the idea of this match, but I thought it was okay, right? I thought it was I, – I, I, it didn't – I wasn't hand-waving it. Let's put it that way. Um, Fale, I love the fact that once again – and again, New Japan is – this is what they do uh, – you're not you're not getting out of kicking out of the finish, you know that 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 bad luck fall, that it's lights out and I, and I like that and and it it kind of I was split in the sense of okay if evil loses here, there's no way, no way that they were going to have a double dip of losses for Los Ingobernables, right? It just didn't feel that way. So when Evil did take the fall, I was like, okay, they kind of, to me at least, showed their cards and what we were going to see later on. Um, but, yeah, I don't think anybody's expectations were that we were going to see greatness. I think everybody there was hoping for good, and I think it delivered good. Uh, and again, you're right, no DQ, no bullshit. Um, I, I did hear somebody mention, though, 
why was it Farley in in G one? And it the only explanation and the, and the reason was well, didn't he get disqualification disqualified like like ten times or I don't even know six times or seven times or whatever last year? Like why would they put him in it? This was I think one of the people that were fans like one of the the the, the friends in, in in that were in the suite. I couldn't explain. I was like, "Well, he's a big guy, and you know, he's." Uh, I like. I couldn't really kayfabe quite. Like, I couldn't kayfabe answer. Well, you know, he's the former this. Like, I was like, well, he's a "Monster, you, you want to be the guy who goes up to Farley and says, hey, Farley, you're out of the G one this year.' They're all right, too scared right. to do it. That's why he's still there." Right. I, right. That was. I guess that was kind of the, my answer. I didn't really have a good answer. I really didn't. Uh, I guess the Bullet Club had to have a representative besides. I don't know. I, I don't even know what I said. But yeah, I didn't really have a good answer. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Um, but uh, that being what it was, I'm glad it wasn't a DQ and a clean finish. So, so well, clean as it got, you know, minus the, you know, the ref bump ball shot. But you know what I mean. All right. I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up about him being the other Bullet Club representative and the only Bullet Club representative in this block. So I think he's he's got to stay strong here. And he always does. He's sort of hovering around 10, 12 points. And I'm sure people's pickers, mine included, Probably had him on much lower than that, but you know he's going to be up there. Um, we had a few questions about Farley. Matt says, "Will the Farley match be the piss break in every A block show?" And John says, "Can you guys explain bad luck Farley to me? What's the appeal? Why is he treated like such a big deal? I never understood it. He wrestles like he's six inches taller and a hundred pounds heavier than he actually is. I think part of this treatment is the fact that he's a dojo boy, and." The fact, maybe now that he is doing all that work with the Farley Dojo and helping bring over fresh talent from um, the Australian New Zealand area, has maybe puts him in their good books, even if his wrestling isn't up to scratch. But another aspect for me, Farley's quite interesting to look at in terms of how his opponents are positioned because it's only really the top guys who get to beat him clean. He's still relatively protected as a commodity, like a gatekeeper. So I think he does have some value there. Yeah, I'm mean, look. He absolutely has value. A, a guy that size has value when you get wins. And and he, let me ask you that. I mean, who, who else are you going to give him win? He's not like he's not going to win it in anything in that block. He's got to win something, right? He's not going to walk away with like one win. Um, and he's a guy. Evil's a, a person. Like if you're going to get a win for Fale, I mean, Evil's probably a guy that you could do. And it, and it, you know, he's a former Intercontinental champ. Intercontinental, right? He had an Intercontinental. Um, you know, he he's he the size is the gimmick and it always has been and he's gotten wins over big people in this company so there's a history there now right now today is he in the best shape of his career eh, he seems to be a little bit off the diet right um he he's 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 even more lumbering than he once was i get that but it is it's bad luck folly you can get a win you can get a win off of him, and and it's not going to be hurtful. Um, this does nothing to hurt evil, but you know if Fale is going to get a win, this this is a nice safe place to do it. Yeah, again, as long as it's not DQs, I'm I'm perfectly fine with him being there. Because what I don't want to do is sit and watch a ten minute match that ends in a DQ. Because to me, that's a waste of my time. As long as there's a finish. I'm good with it. Um, let's move on to the next match then, which was uh, Sanada defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 21 minutes 12, following an O'Connor bridge. Uh, what do you think of Sanada's scruffy look, the hair and the beard? <laughs> um, I've heard multiple analogy or you know references to multiple different things in pop culture of what he looks like and who he looks like. To me, 
it's kind of like that uh, late days Kurt Cobain hair he's got going on with the the, you know, the roots, the dark roots and the blonde hair. Uh, I'm just glad he got rid of that that fucking mohawky and gigantic beard thing. That was that the gnome look was was not not attractive. Uh, it's fine. I, I'm look. I'm never gonna be the, the biggest Sonata guy. Um, I like this match a lot, though. I loved, I love the reversals of reversals and reversals. Like that's my fuck, that's fucking boner material for me. Um, I like the fact that it, it seems like in in just about every Sonata Zach match, there is that element of Sonata having one up on him in the sense of being able to outmaneuver his maneuvers. And out trick him at at every turn. There were similar spots, you know, that cross arm and where Zach has it kind of wrapped against his own shoulders and neck and his arms crossed and getting tied up. And Sonata being able to get out of and suffer reversals and and and, and pin attempts and all that. So I I love that. I, that's entertaining and, and that's creative to me. Um, it did seem a little bit repetitious because it felt like in some cases I saw these things before in previous matches with them. But I like that idea of that story of, of anybody in, in this company that seems to have Zach's number, it's Sonata. Yeah, I think a lot of this, my enjoyment of it was carried by just Zach being Zach. You know, just the little things like at the start where he avoided something and went, oh, no way, mate. Lots of horny grappling. An outstanding little sequence early on where they went back and forth with the graps. Smooth as fuck. Again, nice change of pace and style from the previous two matches. And the bit you mentioned where he had him sort of, his arms crossed over around his neck and Zach shimmied out of that. And he had that little swagger afterwards. He's just such a cocky bastard. And when he was doing the count out tease, he's like, I've got 20 seconds, you dickheads. I'll take my sweet ass time. And then he flipped off the fans afterwards. That was really funny. Massive pop for the Paradise Lock, Damon. Um, I hate yeah, the Paradise Sonata, Lock I mean, so much. Oh my god! Yeah, well, uh, can I? Can like I just, most of the fans there didn't. Let me. I know, and that's fine. Look, because because they're seeing it. You know what I mean? They're seeing it live, and they've been conditioned. That is cool. Let me. Can I ask you just a, just an absolute idiotic question? Because I'm I'm an idiot. And Paradise Lock. Put it. Sonata puts him in. Guy can't move. Right. That's that's the thing. Am, am I wrong? Right. Guy can't move. Uh huh. Pin him. Pin him. <laughs> just fucking pin him. He can't move. To, to me, well, probably, it just looks so easy to get out of. That's right. one of the moves that just ruins my suspension of disbelief. Right. It just, look, I am fat and out of shape and a hunk of shit. I'm promising you, I will bet any amount of money. If you put me in a paradise lock, I can get out of it in 10 seconds. Okay. It's right. Just roll over. Just ship. I don't know. I just. It, it, I. I hate that move so much. I really fucking hate that. And I know if if anybody fucking comes on our mentions, Joel, they instantly get blocked with, well, Irish whip or you know whatever. I got it. Pro wrestling. I know. I did that. Thanks. Save it. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet from Epitasis who does uh, Nate from the uh, Everything Elite podcast on Voices Wrestling. He said, probably the best thing in wrestling is when Sonata puts someone in the paradise lock and then to appeal to the crowd, plainly points at them like, look, look at the foolish position my opponent is in. Look at that. To understand Sonata, you must understand that he is equal parts extremely cool and totally basic. 
Yeah. I tell you what, we were talking about, uh, Lanza and us, we were, we were talking about um, how, you know, it just seems like we we have a guy who is such a great pro wrestler that just can't find the, the whatever it is that next level that and we were kind of putting it into into, into a charisma bucket but we were saying that he has this he has a, a weird charisma right like an odd charisma um yeah no, like quite... we, we talked about the poll last week he's fourth most popular in japan so whatever he's doing with the japanese fans is working it's not doing it for us but it's working with his domestic crowd right right um but then in that very instant he's playing up to the crowd do you remember that moment where he's kind of playing up to the, the four corners of the ring and he's like the fans are going nuts and they're ready to go and he's hyping everybody up and me and Lanza just look at each other and Lanza goes who the fuck does this guy think he is Hulk Hogan Boston Gardens 1986 because uh, it was it was it was doing exactly everything that we were complaining about with Sonata uh, in that very moment, like he, like he heard our cries and he started playing to the crowd. Uh, what'd you think of the match overall? Give me, give me a, give me a flake. We didn't, we didn't do any flakes yet. Uh, okay, first match, I think Lanson will four four and a quarter, four and a half, maybe. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was my match of the night. Fale yeah. Evil three, and I'll probably be higher than most people on that, but I quite enjoyed it. This match, I don't know, this one was tricky for me because there were some really great moments in it. Like, there was a moment where Sonata caught Zach's European uppercut and, like, plucked him out of midair into a backslide. It's just incredible timing and precision. And again, really good chemistry between these two. And But like you mentioned, they did the same finish as their G1 match last year. And I preferred the G1 match. I thought that match last year was... <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was tighter and more exciting. I thought this one was a bit too long and it had great moments but there was a lot of downtime between the exciting stuff so this three and three quarters i think yeah i think it's that's fair yeah i'm i'm almost almost to the star i'm right with you almost to the star so okay yeah we're, we're basically on the same page good but again, just any opportunity to enjoy Zach. Like him saying, Oi, come on, pirate dickheads. And his promo afterwards, uh, when he said, to Having a grappling match in front of these fans is like reading Shakespeare to a dog. Right, it did. Amazing that. stuff. Uh, yeah. what, what do you think you do with Zach at Royal Quest? Because I'm in two minds about this. Because you could have, uh, like, let's say he beats Okada this weekend in the G1 and then he challenges Okada. But that pretty much means that he's losing in front of his own fans. Doom. So probably as a Rev Pro British champion. But having said that, I was talking to our, our buddy Tom, who pointed out that at the end of the day, Zach's still a heel. New Japan's not shy of having people losing their hometown. Like you look at uh, Taguchi on Kizuna Road, Sonata lost in his hometown at the New Japan Cup. So it's not out of the question. But what do we do with Zach at Royal Quest? There are a lot of talk um, in, our, in, our, in our box about match possibilities with Zach. Look, if you, that's not the only loss Zach's going to have in this tournament, right? So everybody was speculating, well, that there's his loss, Sonata, Zach, Royal Quest, right out of the gate. And that's a possibility. You absolutely could do that, right? I don't think anybody would complain. And it makes sense to, to do that. I don't think that's the only loss Zach has. Well, let me ask you this. What if Zach beats Okada? 
and challenges yeah. for the title. That's what I said. That was my suggestion. Yeah. I mean, that's not it's not shocking. That would not shock me at all. So, uh, look, you already have one that's in the bag. You know we're going to have some type of rematch with, with Sonata, right? Because there was a pinfall there. But, you know, truth be told, again, that, that's one, it's not going to be his only loss. And that story could be told of that of that match at at the Copper Box. You know, he could he could pin Okada and and, and very easily have that be the main event. Uh, Tyler asks, uh, "This is the second time I can remember that Zach has got caught with a flash pin. The other being Omega in last year's G One. Is this going to become a trend that wrestlers used to beat him consistently? It's a good point. I, you don't see Zach too often." Getting you know eating someone's finisher and getting pinned one two three in the middle of the ring. Quite often it does come like he just gets out grappled and and caught with like a, a roll up or a flash pin. That is a good point. Yeah, it's not like he's getting a finisher and and, and you know put through a fucking the mat you know with with with, with a with, with a big time power move so to speak. He's not very good at bumping. That's why. He's not the best, right? And he doesn't take like, those You, you real... go back to uh, last year's Sakura Genesis when he challenged Okada. <laughs> the bump that he took on the Raymaker. Oh, Raymaker, yeah. It's crap. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Come to think of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not that flashy spin bump off a clothesline guy. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's, just, that's, maybe that's just what he's willing to do or able to do. Look, not everybody's perfect. Not everybody's perfect. Sometimes uh, you just play to their strengths, and that that might be it. That might be it. Eric says, not anytime soon. Still got to work out that Naito Ibushi white order, but will we eventually be talking about former heavyweight champion ZSJ or is IC belt holder or heavyweight challenger his limit? Yeah, I'm not sure if I see Zach ever holding the IWGP heavyweight title. I think he's a credible challenger. Definitely think he'd be great with the IC title, but I think that's his ceiling. I'm thinking you're probably right. There's there's probably not. Yeah, I see. I mean, they. I mean, never is below. I I would probably say I see, but that's a lot of people though, right? I mean, I would say, and that's a good thing to me. That's a good thing. We've said it a thousand times, but I think I see his 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 ceiling. And Michael says, have you seen the squared circle thread on Zack Sabre Jr.? Jesus Christ, it's funny people genuinely getting worked by wrestling in 2019. So no, ask for some examples. Apparently people what calling happened? him a commie fuck. Loads about how he isn't really a wrestler. Saying he's just what? a bad Jack Gallagher. Bringing up the T-Tacks unironically. And uh, yeah, Michael adds, it's pretty incredible how thin-skinned American fans are. I think are they there serious? Is something about, it seems like it. I think there's something about... Um, British, dare I say, left-leaning men that does seem to rub a certain subsection of fans the wrong way. Well, you would know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think you probably have gotten personal uh, 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 experience with this. Um, I don't know. I, I mean... I miss I the old Puricast. <laughs> um i don't i i want more bernie sanders talk um i don't i don't 
I, I I didn't see the thread, so I can't really comment on it. But I I'm 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 blown away by the stupidity if that's true. <laughs> it's really mind-numbingly dumb take for sure. Um, but hey, what are you what, what are you going to do? I mean, if, if, I, I've, like they're upset that, but like. I don't understand the commie part. What's the commie part? Well, I guess the fact that he expresses left-wing political views. Okay. That's that's communist? I thought they were completely different. Th- All right. I, I don't want to get into that fucking debate. Well, it's just taking uh, it to the extreme, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, and and what, what else now? He's not a good wrestler? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of criticisms about his physique as well. Oh, my God. Still? Like a, a credible wrestler. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. All right. Well. All right. Thanks, Vince McMahon, for yeah. chiming in. <laughs> <Move> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Next match, then. Uh, eighth match was Kenta defeating Kota Ibushi in twenty minutes fifty-one with a go to sleep. Rocco says, "Did Kenta versus Ibushi live up to your expectations?" So, Damon, discourse is either that the old Kenta's back, motherfuckers. Fuck yeah. Or look at this fat, washed-up Hido Itami tub of shit. There is no in-between, so don't be a coward, Damon. Which side are you on? I'm on Kenta's back. If, if, if I'm extreme, but I'm not. Because I am in the fucking middle. Why can't people be in the fucking middle? It's not that hard! How, what do you, I mean, look. We went to this match because on paper it was sexy as fuck. Absolutely. But, but I didn't we sit here on this very fucking show and say, hey, look, it's been five years since this guy's had really strong competition. It, you know, he's coming off his shoulder shit. He probably still hasn't recovered. I don't think that you're looking at a guy that, I mean, nobody expected a little bit of, of, of a paunch. Okay, no, I, I will give you that. Um, I, I don't, everybody was hoping to see Kenta of eight, ten years ago. And I'm sorry, but you don't sit there at 205 Live with so much rust on you. This was his first match in, in, a, in, a, in a couple of months, wasn't it? First match, let alone a match of this type for five years. And I don't, I don't understand what people were looking for. Well, I, I know what they were looking for. And again, yes, everybody was hoping that that could happen. But realistically, you went into this match with those reservations. I thought the match was really good. I don't think the match was great. On paper, when you see the Fire Pro Wrestling uh, match in front of you of Kenta versus Kota, and your fucking mind starts spinning, and your pants are fucking down, and you're ready to jack it to the idea of this match being... 9,052 stars, okay, your expectations, you're going into it high, and your hopes are there, but realistically, realistically, I think this is exactly what we were going to get. Good, really good, not great. Will we get great out of Kenta? I think so. Can we give the motherfucker a little bit of time? Can we give him a little bit of time? Can we give him a second to catch his breath? It's not Kenta of 10 years ago. It's Kenta 2019. 
And it was good. Was it great? It was good. Give him time. Give him a fucking second. He's got a long tournament. I, look, I'm, I'll be happy if he gets out of this fucking thing alive, to be quite honest with you. I thought it was fine. Thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good performance. Not great. Not 2008 Noah. A good performance. He was saying all the right things. He had an interview with, uh, I think it was the New Japan website earlier in the week, and he was talking about how frustrated he was working with WWE and like creative. Like people, one person would tell him one thing, then another person would tell him the complete opposite thing, and he was pissed off about not being able to use the finisher that he invented. So he obviously had a chip on his shoulder, and I think people really psyched themselves up that we were going to be getting Kenta at his peak. And I agree with you, Damon. I thought this was a very good match. It was it was a nasty, ugly little match. And it wasn't what I expected. It was stiffer than Ben Askren, five seconds into a fight. And my match summary of this is Kenta kicked the shit out of Ibushi. And that was yep. it. That's pretty much what happened for 20 minutes. It was very yep. one-sided and quite methodical. There were a few blown spots, like the kick counter to the Piscato, which missed uh, the go-to-sleep which landed on Ibushi's arm. Kenta does look rusty. But again, that said, it was a good match. It was violent. It was emphatic. Just maybe not what a lot of people, myself included, were expecting. It did lack that high-paced closing stretch that people are used to, which isn't a bad thing, because I don't want that in every single high-profile match, because it does become a bit ridiculous where everyone is doing that high-speed reversing each other's finishes. We had a bit of this. We had the Kamigoye reversed into the GTS attempts. That was reversed into Crucifix pin attempt. But at the end of the day, it was head kick, GTS, Kenta's the better man. Yeah, I think the the disappointment that people felt was, right, you didn't have that closing three-minute, four-minute stretch of boom, 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 kick out big, you know, you didn't have that to... to, to there wasn't... A, here's there wasn't a, another gear that they kicked it to, it felt like, right? There wasn't, it felt like the match was at a certain level and you never got to that next level in the closing stretch. And I think that's where people were kind of like left wanting more. And you're right, it was Kenta kicking the shit out of Coda. I don't think Coda had offense like 10% of the match, right? And I think there were some people that were disappointed with that. Um that was my biggest complaint, was that, to me, it felt like there was a gear that they never reached in this match um, that I was constantly looking for and looking at my watch and, and kind of saying, okay, how much time we got left? Let's, let's go, boys. Like, I kept saying that in this match. That was one thing I kept saying in, in – in, well, come on, boys. Here we go. All right. Now, and you always thought there was a spot where it was like, okay, here we go. This is where we kick it into high gear, and it never – and never reached that, and I think that's where people kind of left, left with a little bit wanting more. And you're right; there were a couple little little sloppiness. The the one that stood up to me was the one the the whip into the, the turnbuckle, where so I guess somebody was supposed to reverse or didn't reverse, and it just you know Kenta wound up taking that into the corner. It was like you know, just kind of backwards walking into the corner. It's a little sloppy, but again. I don't want to give excuses. I hate giving excuses because at the end of the day, it is what it is. But uh, it's five years. Five years in purgatory. You know, I, I, 
I, I would have loved to have seen Kenta of 2008. It, it, it didn't happen. It was still good. Expectations weren't met. Smokey Kingston says, do you think Kenta should have had a couple of matches before facing Ibushi? Um, in hindsight, probably. In hindsight, probably. Um, I, I understand all the reasons why from a, from a promotional standpoint. But in hindsight, it might have been the best thing to do. I do wonder, Damon, if they were sort of holding back for a rematch down the line. If you're one of these people who's got Ibushi as your pick to win the G1, then maybe that's one of your briefcase defences. So something to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, Dat Nizzle says, who else is joining Shibata's faction with Kenta and Ibushi? And Tofa says, do you think that the takeover shirts worn by Kenta and Goto, along with them highlighting Shibata watching in the crowd, is foreshadowing to a new faction? Chaos is pretty big and stale at the moment, so it could help even things out. Just a thought. So... Uh, I, I think we touched on this before in previous weeks. I think that would be great. I think that would help freshen up Goto and you could put in maybe the LA Dojo Young Lines eventually. So I would be fully on board with that. Yeah, I would have no problem with that. I, I honestly wouldn't. For all my anti-factionism, I would have no problem with that. And again, with Young Lions returning home, um, you know, we might... We might see something along those lines, right? We do see Shibata at a lot of these shows, too, right? He was at the uh, Dallas show. He was watching this match specifically from the corner, from the corner of the ramp. Um, so he was in attendance. So, uh, look, I want to be surprised. Would not be surprised at that. And that would be a good thing for everybody involved, I think. Main event, Kazuchika Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in 22 minutes, 4 seconds, following a Rainmaker First of all, Damon, did you see that guy in the crowd with the sign that was half Cena's face, half Okada's face? Oh my God, no. Oh my God, I just spent 10 minutes fucking talking about how great this crowd was. No, I did not see that sign. I, I honestly didn't. I might have been on the opposite side of where we were because I did not see that sign. It was Why, why would anybody do that? Why would, why would that be done? <laughs> yeah, he should have been kicked out. That was horrible. But, really? I well, mean, honestly, I would be less offended if the guy had a sign that said, fuck you and your children. You know what I mean? Like, that would be less offensive than seeing a sign with that. Why, why, would, you, why would that be done? Why, who, why, who, who allowed this to happen? Now, talking about the match itself, well, I say that, but one of the, you touched on it before, the most memorable part of this match was the crowd pop for just them staring down at the start and it was wonderful to hear a crowd that truly deeply appreciated that they were about to be treated to a chapter of one of the most historic iconic feuds in professional wrestling history what a moment Damon it's like I said it's something that I'm going to take to my grave it was a moment to be there live um it was breathtaking you know, I was, it was, it was that like there are, there are, and there's not many. You could probably count them on two hands, but that was, that was a moment where you could say, I, I'm proud to be a pro wrestling fan. Like, like, like I could, I could go in there with, you know, a family member or go in there with uh, a friend who doesn't watch wrestling and be like, oh, okay, this is why I watch. This is what I, you know, this is why I like this a lot. Like that moment. And I, I and I don't think I think both of those guys in the ring uh, knew it and felt it and appreciated it. 
because there's always this little undercurrent with them where ah, oh, this is American, this is we're not, you know, and it might be just Japanese humbleness, but it's you know a lot of that is a feeling of you know oh, are we really that you know? And they were at least at least for those those forty eight hundred people that were there, they they gave they I think they gave everyone a moment that no no one in that building will forget, and that's that's that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, the match itself. The match. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the match itself to me was tremendous. Um, it was uh, it was described by someone else, um, and I forget exactly who, but you know it was textbook playing the hits. Okada Tanahashi, right? They played the hits, and and we we saw history. I <laughs> I saw history. I saw a live uh, pacing. <laughs> the famous Lanza line of the the pacing back and forth, like he was doing it, and I was like Joe Lanza pa- pacing in his suite, right? Uh, as he as he was, I'm pacing in my suite, and then wait, then then he did he didn't he tweet that and, and use it as his own? Then he use it? Didn't he tweet that out? I gave him the fucking line because he laughed at it, fucker. Um, yeah, so uh, it was great. I thought it was uh, over four. I went over four. By a shred, maybe like four and a quarter-ish, uh, but I loved it. It wasn't the, the best Okada-Tanahashi match, but um, I think for everything involved, I thought it was I thought it was uh, chef's kiss, chef's kiss. Yeah, I'm with you. It was just the Okada-Tanahashi greatest hits album. No groundbreaking new twists in the story, but I did audibly gasp at uh, the third Rainmaker reverse into the roll-up because I, I thought oh, I might yeah. have had him there. But this was surprisingly short, Damon. It didn't come anywhere close to uh, the time limit draw. And their shortest match, apart from the 2010 match where Okada was a young lion, was their first one, the, the Rainmaker Shock at New Beginning 2012, which went 23-23. So this went 22-04. And since 2013, none of their matches have gone less than 30. So I was quite shocked that it was just bang, 22 minutes, Okada's better than Tanahashi, and that's that. I will say this: that was the quickest twenty-two minutes. It flew by. It 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 was twenty-two minutes. Like it was it was like if you got a twenty-two minute couch dance from the hottest girl ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just like the next thing you know, oh my god, we're done. Uh, it was just tremendously like you're just you're you're in a moment, and it, it, you know it. Because here's the thing: when they made the when they made that call, that twenty-minute call. I, I, I might have been. I don't know who, but we we, we were kind of. Was that fifteen? Like somebody, we were talking. It was the fifteen minute call, and at first we actually thought that the match went le- you know less than twenty. But it was the twenty minute call. We finally got that sorted in 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 our in our suite there. Um, yeah, it went quick. It it did it did not lag behind. That's for sure. It was the quickest twenty two minutes of my fucking life. It felt like. Was that at all disappointing for you in terms of the story that Tanahashi and Okada have been telling over recent years? I mean, look, I I, I would have loved the. I mean, I would have loved loved to have gone a, a fucking thirty minute draw, and then they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna restart the match," and they went another thirty minutes. That would have been fine. I, I every here's the thing, and we joke about it. You know, they they did the greatest hits. Everybody wanted an encore. 